Like it needs to be an analog hobby. It needs to be a hobby where you're literally just in a sensory deprivation tank <laughs> floating. <laughs> but then the sensory deprivation tank. I've, I feel like we it would go out of our minds. <laughs> Maybe actually we'd really find it in peace. So I think first I'd go out of my mind and then after an hour maybe my brain would get bored of being out of its mind and find it a piece okay then I will start I say and then immediately didn't hype myself up enough Nemo Nemo this is Brad of Arcades on Lemo's podcast I'm Nemo Martin. I say them pronouns. And today, oh god, um, <laughs> this weekend uh, I was at a trans protest in front of the BBC, which is the British Broadcasting Company. And uh, it was only once I got up on stage to talk about how shit the BBC was that a voice in my head said, you know, you can probably never submit a script to the BBC again because they are live streaming this event. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so that's now also on YouTube, I think, which is... uh, Oh, well, I don't need a job in screenwriting, I guess. Yeah, you just want to be a podcaster anyway. You said this yeah. last weekend. Yes, yes, this exactly. Was, yeah, you wouldn't take making a bold career move. <laughs> yeah. While also standing by your beliefs. <laughs> That's true. It, I, I um, preemptively made sure that I can never scab. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh, this is Stevie. She, they pronouns. Primary researcher. I guess my new hobby is gonna be making a f- what was it? A family budget. A family budget. As you said, it, I was like, I've got to remember that because I've got nothing for my intro. But couldn't even <laughs> keep the brain together enough for that. Oh, making family budgets. But in not order the- to because we definitely didn't record this conversation no. before. <laughs> in order to make a new hobby that doesn't hurt <laughs> some part of us. Yeah. Except, am I typing it or writing it? Because both are probably going to hurt my wrist. Well, it's said to like download a free budget online, um, which is more like using your computer. I don't know whether it was like a a post for like I was going to say geriatric people, but you know, like people who don't use the computers as much. So for them, the pain isn't being on your computer the entire time. Mm. Okay, I'm going to make a family budget. In my own brain. <laughs> and that will only hurt my brain having to think. And actually, speaking of family budgets, that's kind of on point for this week. Oh, yeah. We're into book eight, Villainous Poppers. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Our favourite trope. <laughs> and we're still with Marius. Um... Well, actually, we're back with Marius, because I believe we were just with a load of other lads. We were with the other lads. The um, boss pussy lads. Yeah. But we're back to Marius, and it's autumn now. Actually, no, autumn has also passed. It's actually, it's winter now. And (laughs) (laughs) the seasons are flying by so quickly for him. Uh, And he's still not seen the girl or Monsieur Leblanc. And his only thought is to see that sweet and adorable face once more. 
And that reminded me of um, the fact I was meant to write a horrible Marius and Monsieur Leblanc slash Oh my god, Vachon Because I was like, huh, maybe that could be construed either way. Who's the adorable face? Who's the same? <laughs> well, um, you could uh, you could do. I didn't write the gift giving fic over the holidays, but you could do that now preemptively for next year. Um, <laughs> you've got a whole year. You've got a deadline. Oh um, god! And your your year must be to make. Um, uh, I was going to say Hugo and Marius, but that's Les Mis. You <laughs> <laughs> um, got it. <laughs> zing. <laughs> um, to make a Marius and um, Valjean uh, a fic that's gift giving. Yeah, just searching for that adorable face. And actually, there's some. This is. I need this year to do more reconnaissance on this book because we do have more <laughs> little, like, oh, this could go either way <laughs> uh, moments. Um, Marius, he's no longer the impassioned dreamer, he's a stray dog. <laughs> Ooh, it that's a, uh, it's not a K-pop band. I think it's a K-pop no, band. is it? <laughs> Stray dog band. Stray kids. Not uh, <laughs> as good. Um, yeah, I only care about um, BTS. I don't care about any other things, but I remember Stray. So, <laughs> so he's not joining a K-pop band during this um, sad time for him. <laughs> he's just in dark dejection. Uh-huh. Um. It seems to him that everything is gone. But he's still a thinker. Um, he just no longer takes pleasure in his thoughts. Mood. <laughs> 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 I think mood. Um, and he's just like endlessly reproaching himself. Like, why did I follow her? I was so happy just to see her. And she looked at me. Wasn't that wonderful? She kind of looked like she loved me. Wasn't that everything? What more did I want? Um, after that, there's nothing else. <laughs> um, which yeah Marius we kind of asked you the same questions yeah and then Kufarak who Marius had confided nothing in which was Marius's nature more or less guessed everything that had happened which was very much in Kufarak's nature mm. um, and had began congratulating him on being on lo- in love which was to Kufarak's great astonishment it must be said <laughs> <laughs> I am a gog, I am a ghast. <laughs> it's Marius in love at last. Oh god, <laughs> I thought you were just doing a bit, but I guess it was a lyric. Yeah, it's a lyric, but it's from Gontaire. So. So, boo. Boo. You're wrong. But then he sees that Marius is getting melancholy, and is like, okay, I can see that you're only human. Come, let's go dancing. And... Marius is taken out by Kufarak Bussuet? I always say Bussuet, but Bussuet. who knows? And Grantaire. So they all take him out dancing yeah. at school, hoping that maybe he'll find her there, but he didn't <laughs> see her there, of course. So he just leaves his friends there at the dance and walks home really sad. <laughs> <laughs> and he just reverts to living more and more alone, obsessed with his inner anguish. Mm. Um, but then another time he had a chance encounter that made a curious impression on him uh-huh. he passed a man dressed as a worker <laughs> in a long peaked cap with locks of very white hair showing beneath it 
But only one person has white hair. It's very white. I'll have you know, it's the whitest white. It was the whitest white. Um, and he's walking slowly as, as this lost in painful reflection. And strangely, Marius feels like he recognizes him as Monsieur LeBlanc because he was struck by the magnificence of this hair. <laughs> Uh, it, I thought you were going to say like struck by lightning like um, soulmates you know like when they touch each other the first time suddenly they can see in colour <laughs> they zinged like in Hotel Transylvania <laughs> um, I mean being so struck by the magnificence of a man's white hair yeah sounds like a fetish to me it does. Uh, motion passed. And it, it it looks like it's the same hair <laughs> and the same bearing, only sadder. But why these working man's clothes? What did it mean? What did this disguise signify? Maris is very surprised. <laughs> His first inf- impulse was to follow the man. Yeah. And we know he always follows the objects of his affection. Uh-huh. So it kind of all was checking out here. But it took him... A moment too long to realise, wait, I should follow him. To get a closer look and clear up the mystery. Um, but the man's gone. So Marius is like, well, it probably was just someone who looked like him. <laughs> I mean, that is like one of the more sensible things. Like if you saw someone <laughs> who kind of looked like an old man you saw like months ago sitting on a bench, but he was wearing workers clothes and looked kind of like him, you'd be like, yeah, no, it probably wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is the more human response. Whereas I'm like, Marius, do you not yet realise that you're in a book by Victor Hugo? There's only one man. <laughs> but yeah, I guess he doesn't realise. So he's like, I'm sure it was just a guy with grey mm-hmm. hair. Yeah. So Marius, he's still living in the Gorbo tenement. But he's paid no attention to anyone else who lives there. And everyone else has moved out except for the uh, Jondrettes, who he'd once paid the rent for, having never Mm. spoken to any of them. And yeah, everyone else has moved away or died. Then on one day in winter, the sun briefly appeared. It was the second day of February, Candlemas, which I'd never heard of. Uh, I feel like I've heard it before, but I didn't really know what the difference was. Did you Google it? Shall I Google it? You Google it. Yeah, because I think I would have thought it was Christmas if I have ever come across it before. The Feast of the Presentation of Jesus Christ uh, is a Christian holiday surprise commemorating (laughs) the presentation of Jesus at the temple. It is based upon the account of the presentation of Jesus in Luke 2, 40. Uh, uh, a woman's purified by presenting a lamb and either a young pigeon or a dove as a sin offering 33 days after a boy's circumcision. Okay. Tell me me what it is. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I love that the beginning of that just kept being like, it's the presenting of Jesus at the presentation for Jesus. Presenting. Uh, the presentation of Jesus at the temple is an early episode in the life of Jesus describing his presentation at the temple of Jerusalem <laughs> to be <laughs> redeemed uh, by the parents' sacrifice from his birth state of sanctity. 
and his predestined, i.e. and predestined by his firstborn status to serve as a priest. Uh, okay. So it's the saint day. Oh, right. Okay. So like Jesus's saint day. Actually, wait, can Jesus be a saint? It's a Jesus day. That's a safer. <laughs> it's also considered in France, Belgium and Swiss Romandy. The day of the crep. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> uh, so, to celebrate Candlemas, all the candles in the house should be lit, and you shouldn't you shouldn't put away your manger from the Christmas um, decoration until Candlemas. The crep, with their round shape and golden colour reminiscent of the solar disk, refer to the return of spring after the dark and cold of winter. So that's nice. Yeah. Where was that when I was researching Christmas traditions and they weren't like, keep your manger up? Yeah. Wow. Well, we can imagine that um, the white-haired man, whoever he is, assuming (laughs) that he has in his possession two silver candlesticks, is uh, lighting his candles for Candlemas in them. Yeah. While him and his daughter eat crepes. Yeah. I'm sure they're very, like, uninteresting crepes, but, like, in my head, I'm obviously picturing them having the, like, Japanese ones, which are, like, (laughs) full of, like, cream and ice cream and strawberries and bananas. (laughs) Because it deserves it. Yeah, she does. Valjean deserves it. He deserves to have a strawberry. What kind of crepe do you think that Jean (laughs) Like, I, of course, believe that he deserves it, but I just don't know that he believes that he deserves it. Yeah, Yeah. So you have to, I feel like, this should be how everyone prefaces things to him, is like, doesn't Cosette deserve for all of us to go get crepes that are excellent? And he'd be like, okay. And then Cosette would be like, well, I don't want to eat alone. And yeah. he doesn't want her to be sad and eating alone. So then he also has to have one. Yeah. Checkmate! I, I feel like, or you do that thing where you're like oh, I can't decide between these two. Will you share one with me? Oh. And be like, oh, but like, yeah, if you get one, can I have like a bite of yours? And Valjean would be like, I'll buy the whole truck. (laughs) I'll buy every (laughs) flavour. Yes. Agree. Gavel, bang, bang, cannon. (laughs) So while that's going on in their house where they're hiding away from (laughs) Marion... Marius has started eating again. Oh, the frailties of idle passions. And as he's leaving his house to go get food, he hears his housekeeper sweeping at the doorstep and she's like, what's cheap right now? Everything's expensive. Hardship's the only thing that comes cheap. You can get it for nothing, hardship. And he's like, I'm going to ignore that. (laughs) And slowly walks past her. That is kind of like me with my landlord, though, because sometimes she's like downstairs cleaning and she'll like say something like that to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to Saints Street now. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, no, you're relating to Marius. <laughs> Trapped. Oh, God. New year, new Marius. <laughs> so as... Marius slash Nemo are walking <laughs> through the fog to get food. Um, someone bumps into him and he sees two young girls dressed in rags, one tall and thin and the other shorter, rushing along in a fright uh, with pallid faces, disheveled heads, thin hair, hideous bonnets, <laughs> uh, bare feet 
And as they're running past, he can hear them saying to each other, like, oh, the Basher's coming along. They almost got me cornered. Um, I saw them. I scarpered, the other replied. And Marius understood from this that the police must have almost caught these two children, but they'd escaped. Too slow, Javert. <laughs> Sorry, very interestingly, my uh, chrome just uh, froze and it made you go, Javert, 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 so you you rubbed off on your chrome <laughs> it didn't want to hear anything else yeah well he's about to also actually no he does stop so they like they disappear dive away really quickly and he does stop for a moment but then he's about to once again be like anyway on my way <laughs> but he sees a little bundle on the ground and it's some sort of envelope and it looks like it's got papers inside. It's like, oh no, those poor girls must have dropped it. And he tries calling out for them, but he can't find them. So he's like, okay, anyway, I'm going to go have my dinner. And he pass- on his way, he passes a little child's coffin, which reminds him of the two girls. So he's like, oh, poor mothers. There's one thing sadder than seeing your children die. It's seeing them lead a bad life. <laughs> which is... A very judgy thing to say for a young man who is living on the streets. Well, not living on the streets, but, you know, in poverty. Yeah, purposely living in poverty. Um, Yeah, I'm sure it's probably sadder to see them die, actually, Marius. Yeah. But he then laps straight back into his usual preoccupations. Mm. Thinking of those six months of love and happiness. Um, How bleak my life has become, he said to himself. Young girls keep appearing before me, only before they were angels, and now they're ghouls. <laughs> Spooky. Mm. So now, chapter three. Quadrifrons, which is Latin meaning four-faced. Mm. He finally had that dinner. <laughs> and now he's home and he's getting ready for bed. And then he feels the letter in his pocket that he picked up. And I was like, oh yeah, I completely forgot, even though that happened like an hour ago. Mm. I um, mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, I might as well open it because maybe it will have their address in there. Mm. Which sounds like an excuse for mail fraud to me. Yeah. And it's not even sealed with four letters inside of it, which aren't sealed either. And Seeing as they're not sealed, there's probably no harm in reading it, Marius decides. I mean, I guess that kind of depends. Like, if I found some letters on the floor outside my house, I would open them in order to see if it had any, like, address or anything to be, like, you know, like a send back address. Mm. I don't know whether I would... Would I read the letter? (laughs) Hmm. Would you admit it to Victor Hugo? <laughs> uh, I feel like there would be many things worse than I could admit to Victor Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay. Well, he's got nothing else going on except for thinking about how sad he is. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he can open Netflix and just be like... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you would read the letters. I would read yeah. them too. <laughs> um, and note, all four letters are written on similar looking paper that they all stank of tobacco Mm. the first one is addressed to the madame la marquis de 
Rochere, and it's basically like, allow your Christian spirit to roam and cast a look of compassion on this ill-fated Spaniard, a victim of his loyalty, um, attachment to the sacred cause of legitimacy, which he's risked his life for, dedicated his fortune to defend this cause. He has no doubt your honourable self will make a contribution to maintain an existence extremely distressing to a military man of education and honour without with wounds aplenty. And it's uh, signed Don Alvarez, mm-hmm. Captain Espanol de Caballeri, <laughs> a royalist refugee in France. Mm. And... There's no address with the signature, so Marius is like, well, I guess I have to read the second one. <laughs> and this one is to Madame le Comte de Montvenet. Mm. And it says, this is a poor mother of a family of six children. I have been sick since the last one was born, abandoned by my husband, with no means of support whatsoever, in the most dreadful poverty. Um, basically, I hope that the lady will... Uh, Oh, wait, does it even say? No, it doesn't even say please give him money. It's just implied mm. on this one. Mm. Balazard's wife. And that one didn't have an address either. Mm. So we're on to the third letter. Mm-hmm. He can't help it, you know. It just <laughs> doesn't have a signature. So. Like the previous ones, this is a begging letter. And it said to Monsieur Pabogo, voter, mm. wholesale, hosiery merchant. <laughs> Ooh, mm, sexy lady! <laughs> I I just imagined that it was men's hosiery, but like sexy <laughs> men's hosiery. I don't think I've ever. I mean, with like sock sock garters, sock garters. Mm, yeah, very Tumblr twenty twelve. <laughs> yeah, I think that they were just on my mind because I was like, all oh, my socks are falling down. Should I get sock garters? You should. You should get sock garters. So I will also write a letter to Monsieur Pabogo. Yeah. And this letter's or like in a similar vein is like grant me the insurmountable favour of your sympathies, um, and to interest yourself in a man of letters who has just submitted a play to the Theatre Francais. Mood. <laughs> yeah, I did imagine you doing this one actually. Um subject of the play is historical um, <laughs> and there's also action in it yeah um, there's some the songs in four places uh there's comic moments uh the series serious and the unexpected are also combined with a variety of characters with a light touch of romanticism which develops mysteriously and will be resolved with several dramatic twists wow that's a description of my podcast <laughs> Signed, Nemo Martin. <laughs> <laughs> My chief aim is to satisfy the desire that um, increasingly motivates the man of our age. That is to say, all caps, fashion. <laughs> That's not my chief desire. So, <laughs> well, maybe you'd get more funding if you said it was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um. In spite of all these qualities, I have reason to fear the jealousy, the self-regard and of favoured authors who might contrive to exclude me from the theatre. Mm, um, that's for real. I, yeah, for I am not unaware of the bitter cup of disappointment served to newcomers. Mm, very heavy on the discourse here, Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see nothing's changed in theatre. Um, so, 
I've sent my daughter to explain all this. And with your permission, I'd like to dedicate to you my play and all those that I'll write in the future. I need this- a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Theatre daddy. I aspire to the honour of being taken under your wing. If you dine to... Is it... You know words you just like have never had to say aloud? Mm-hmm. I feel like this happens to me often. Like it looks like it should be dine. Uh, I thought maybe Dane. Dane is probably... I-, I trust you more than I trust me. As in if he would deign to look my way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's Dane. Okay. Well, now I'm doubting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always doubt myself more. <laughs> How's it spelled? Well, also, we were going to get to the fact that... Oh, right, because it's spelled wrong, yeah. Because Hugo at the end is like, haha, yeah. they all have similar spelling mistakes. And I was like, was there? Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked over it and I was like, oh, <laughs> there really was, but I just shape-read my way to victory. <laughs> and it all looked right to me. <laughs> Let's go with Dane. But, Dane, um, okay. Someone can, cor- can, cor- someone can correct me. If you deign to favour me with even the most modest offering, I'll immediately devote myself to writing a tribute, and which I'll endeavour to make as perfect as possible, and I'll send it to you before the next play is staged. Um, My most respectful compliments. Genflot, man of letters. P.S. Even just 40 sous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It sounds like the other day um, quite a lot of, like, uh, stuff happened in in British theatre stuff, which is basically this this big festival of new works. Which is basically the only place that you can get new works on in London um, got cancelled because of COVID, and everyone was like, "Yeah, it was a good thing. It was a good decision that they made, but also it really sucks." And um, at the same time, this quote came across on my Twitter feed, and I fully thought it was about like it was someone being very poetic about um that whole situation and about how like a lot of theater people are leaving theater at this moment and then i realized that it was a quote from black sail <laughs> from a jack rackham bot and it was if we don't find a way to earn an income and soon we will lose what little left we have of a crew or worse yet we will be eaten by what little left we have of a crew wish me luck and i was like oh wow yeah someone's really getting in <laughs> it's like theater discourse and then i was like oh no it's black sales <laughs> relatable though mm. um, uh, was that um the one that i've seen some of your things on uh, yes, yeah, yeah, in Vault. the tunnels, Vaults Festival. Yeah. I was like, the stacks. No, it's not the stacks, <laughs> but it's snappy like the stacks. <laughs> yeah, let's do. Uh, let's start a um, rival f- festival called the Stacks. Yeah, it'll be like in in a tower block or something. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's very um, postmodern and uh, edgy enough to get loads of queer people to give us loads of money. <laughs> yeah, and it's potentially less damp. Oh god! Only yeah. potentially, though, because even my two-story house is damp. We could do it in a library. They're also stacks. <gasps> oh, with the- yeah, this is writing itself. And if not, <laughs> we'll write the fic that I won't write, but you'll write the fic. <laughs> Last letter. <laughs> yeah, sorry, derailed. <laughs> no, I love the derailment. But that one also didn't have an address, so you must read the fourth letter. Yeah, yeah. This one's to the charitable gentleman of the church at St. Jacques de Hopas. Um, charitable benefactor, when you see these documents, your generous soul will be stirred um, with tender-hearted benevolence. Mm. Um, 
In your compassion, surely you'll agree that I'm suffering the cruelest deprivation. Uh, It is very distressing to have to get the authorities to vouch for it in order to obtain any relief. That you're like, there's some good points in there. Yeah. Um, As though that individual was not free to suffer and die of starvation while waiting for his destitution to be relieved. Fate is very hard on some and excessively indulgent and coddling towards others. I look forward to your visit or any contribution um, you might make. You're a man of true generosity. Your humble and obedient servant, Fabontu, actor. I have the pleasure to... No, what is it? The Hamilton lines? Um, your obedient servant. Oh yeah, I have the honour to be your I have the honour. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Everything is easier to remember when put to song. Yeah. So Maris reads these letters and none of them have an address. So he's not any further, but I guess he was entertained. They all seem to come from four different people. But the strange thing was that all four had the same handwriting. (gasps) What conclusion could possibly be drawn from this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And like furthermore, all four were written on the same rough yellowed paper and tobacco smell was the same. And although some attempt had evidently been made to vary the style, the spelling mistakes reoccurred. And that's when I went back and was like, I see, there are indeed spelling mistakes. (laughs) Many of them, in fact. (laughs) Yep. So, what could this all mean? It's a, a pure mystery. We'll never find out. Yeah, because striving to solve this little mystery was a waste of effort. (laughs) <laughs> we're not even going to try. <laughs> the words trying to come out of my mind, my brain were, I guess this was a pre-true um, crime podcast <laughs> society. <laughs> Marius starts the first true crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, imagine how insufferable He's so bad at following people though He wouldn't be able to exactly. be like a PI or anything Maybe that would make it better <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true It's actually um, Like Kufarak and Confair Start a podcast watching Marius Starting a <laughs> true crime podcast Watching him Connecting the dots <laughs> Yeah, You've not being like you connected it. nothing <laughs> Um you know, had this not been an accidental find, Maris would have just thought this was a practical joke. What? By who? But Marius was too miserable to take a joke, even <laughs> when played on him by chance. He felt like a blindfolded player in a game of blind man's buff, with these four <laughs> letters teasing him. I'm surprised he doesn't assume that it was Kufarag, his only friend. Yeah, exactly, the only person who like comes to enrich his enclosure. <laughs> Nothing about these letters show that they belonged to the young girls Marius had even bumped into. Uh-huh. After all, they were just worthless bits of paper. Puts them back on the envelope, tossed the whole thing aside and went to bed. I mean... <laughs> Crime <even> solved! If... <laughs> even if you were Marius, right, and you were being a, a dumbass about it, there was one letter that said, oh, I'm a poor lady who has six children. Surely you'd be like, oh, maybe this is... Maybe those two girls are one of two of those six children and like they just collect like, like they're just delivery people because you used all orph- orphan street children to deliver your letters for you mm. right so like you were just, just like 
<laughs> even if you were being a dumbass, you would just assume that, oh, like, they don't have addresses on them because, like, you're just going to hand it to a child who takes it to the doorstep of the person that it's going to be delivered to, no? None? <laughs> Marius thinks nothing, ever. <laughs> That's except true. about the mysterious girl that's maybe... Oh, I can't even remember the letters of Jean Valjean's current fake name. Oh yeah, UF. Asil. <laughs> okay, and even <laughs> also, like, you, you would also know that not many people are very literate in the community, right? So it's all, um, it's all done by one person's handwriting. Well, yeah, maybe like they've all been taken down by the same person who's the only person who can write and also probably can't spell properly. Like... <laughs> there are so many explanations for <laughs> you're one half of the Cooperite podcast that's watching <laughs> Marius make his true crime podcast <laughs> you're like wait he doesn't think anything of this at all <laughs> not even the obvious answers <laughs> yeah it's just Marius watching it's just them being like uh, becoming conspiracy theorists by watching Marius be <laughs> like, wait, are we the people who are wrong in this situation? What's happening? It obviously all means nothing and it's worthless <laughs> bits of paper. But also, Marius, I guess if me and Nemo are now role playing this fic, he's like, this is worthless bits of paper, but they're all clearly people who like are in need like maybe some more than others like like the quotation marks woman with the six children mm. and the husband who's gone that maybe you'd be like maybe i should deliver these letters it sounds <laughs> like some people are in some desperate situations yeah you you would be like oh god i need to like take these to the police or something to be like oh like or 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 go out on the street and be like, has anyone lost these letters? Like, I would feel really guilty about holding them. Surely because also paper costs a lot of money. Well, it's worthless, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really do feel like confair now. Like, just sitting here being like... Um, uh, you know the Lion King film, which is about Timon and Pumbaa? <laughs> It was like two and a half or like one and a half, um, Lion King one and a half. And it was like them in a cinema basically like uh, commenting on film. And uh, I feel like, I feel like Timon and Pumba in this moment. (laughs) We'll just add this to our already extensive list of plays we dream of putting on about the side characters having a more interesting time. Yeah, it's true. They get a cameo in our Welcome, a musical about, uh, oh my god, my brain! Uh, Bienvenue. Bienvenue. They can be the um, the, the cranky gays who have their own um, box. Yeah. I want to say that one's called, like, Wolbert or something. Probably. my In my head I went Illestat, and I don't think that's... <laughs> the old gay Muppets, you all know the ones. Old gay Muppets. Stat, Statler and Waldorf. So I was close with Lestat. Yeah, and Walbert was almost something. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the name of our Muppets, I guess. Lestat and Walbert. <laughs> That's like, we've got cranky old gay Muppets at home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're making a true crime podcast about Marion. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what? I, I don't know what this unhinged energy is, but <laughs> clearly we're both sleep deprived. Well, we have been for a while, but um, in my head, I had the, um, when you sighed, my brain went, let's sigh. And then I was like, oh God. <laughs> now we're truly back in like early Tumblr years. Oh God, what, like 2008? Yeah. Oh, that was, that was pre-Tumblr, huh? Yeah. Was it? Oh, it was pre-Tumblr. Yeah. Another Lasai. <laughs> Lasai. That was very um, ff.net. Oh. It's all anyway. worthless. This is worthless and it's seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and someone's knocking and knocking at Marius's chamber door. As, Mar- <laughs> As Marius owned nothing, he never locked the door. Except for sometimes. Great. That's really specific, Hugo. Thank you. <laughs> it was more specific, but I just wanted to make it more dramatic <laughs> for you. Because <laughs> that's also how I read it. I read it as like, except for sometimes. I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, like this time. I was like, fine. <laughs> I'm enriching your enclosure. <laughs> so Marius owned nothing. So he never locked the door, except for sometimes when he was working on something. Uh-huh. And when he went out, he left his key in the lock. And his housekeeper, Madame Bougon, was like, you'll be robbed. And Marius was like, what? <laughs> but then one day, to her great triumph, he was robbed of a pair of old boots. Uh-huh. <laughs> Vindicated. That is me, though, because like all of my all of the rooms. I live in a house that's been converted into flats and so on the inside it's like house rooms but all of them can lock from the outside and everyone else in this house does lock their doors when they go out and I don't and I'm like free reign guys I really don't have anything that you probably want like I have a a lot of k-pop merch at the moment um I have some uh, propagated puck joy that I've got in like a, a bucket that I bought from Poundland. <laughs> like, really, I'm living the dream. Nemo, you're just aligning yourself more oh, and more no. with Marius. You're, you're doing it yourself now. You have been incepted. I'm doing it unconsciously as well. I wasn't even thinking about it. No! You fool. <laughs> So it's actually your podcast about my podcast about Mary. So who could it be? Come in, says Marius. And he doesn't look up. He's like, what do you want, Madame Bougon? Uh, He doesn't look up from his manuscripts. But a voice, which was not that of Madame Bougon, is like, excuse me, monsieur. It was a hollow, cracked, husky, hoarse voice. An old man's voice roughened with brandy and other liquor. He spins his head around and saw a young girl. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I don't think that I could cram how excellent our girl with the husky voice of a old man who drinks. Yeah, that's fair. Let's save, uh, let's, uh, 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 uh. What's the word? Cliffhanger. (laughs) It's a new year. (laughs) This is the energy we're bringing to it. (laughs) I'll forget by next time. It's not super related, but I wrote this mm, section today for my PhD and I really liked it. And it kind of is talking about 
Tenadier's a bit. So I'm going to read it because <laughs> I'm happy with it. Do um, it. In John Locke's 1690, <laughs> nice, 69, <laughs> uh, an essay concerning human understanding, Locke used hierarchies of colonialism to delineate who was fit to receive education, naming children, idiots, savages, and the gross, grossly illiterate equivalents of who, in the absence of culture or the capacity to engage with it, the primitive mind lacked abstract ideas and reverberated only the body's most fundamental occupations. Throughout his evil, ugly, and prideful characters, Hugo has interspersed references to indigenous people, black people, and poor white people. Poor white people have a perceived lack of or absence of culture because of their financial status, and so Hugo is semi-supportive of their rights to education. Black and indigenous people do not, however, have the capacity to engage with highbrow French culture because of the physiognomic barrier that prevents them. They have lowbrow ridges and so cannot physically understand culture, even if it were to be presented to them. Uh, that all in scare quotes, I hasten to add. Um, as Schuller states, when they were denied the status of fellow subjects of the 19th century, racialized peoples were understood to be animated fossils of the evolutionary past, and thus perceived as being just or correct to advocate for that cultural or literal extermination. Hugo, like Locke, does link children, idiots, savages, and the illiterate together in his presentation of those who would be evil, and thus there is an undoubtedly racial element in which white French poor people must be characterised with the language used for black people in order to prove that even proximity to blackness has neg negative effects on intelligence and goodness. The end. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I yeah I it's been really interesting rehearing these bits about the Tenardiers because those letters were written in a way that was very skillful. Like Tenardier is very clever. He's very skillful in writing letters because he's not outright like hey give me loads of money. Like the one that was like oh we would love if you could come and visit. Mm. but if you can't like that's totally fine we won't be so sad about it like i guess you could send us some money if you if you could or wanted to but like we would really love to meet you kind of thing like that's a very yeah it's such a skillful way of <laughs> doing that he's clearly an expert in it and has been doing it for a long time but hugo still has to be a dickhead about <laughs> <laughs> still has to racialize them and compare them to people of color in order to like i don't know lessen lessen the fact and like the fact that Tenardier is like before they were they were compared to like people with no state right like they was uh he was hugo was like oh they're probably flemish or german mm. or they they were anything but french and it's like you want them to be white people but you <laughs> You want them to be spicy white so that mm. they're not French. Yeah. Um, you want them to be like foreigners so that you can blame that on the fact that they are stupid. Um, yeah. It's just very interesting. Yeah. Again, it's very interesting hearing how he like mental gymnastics. Like he wants <laughs> these characters to be really like because he he wants he, Victor Hugo wants to display how well he can do a like puzzle but 
that means creating villains who are French, but they can't be French because they're bad. <laughs> so they have to be foreign, but they can't be too stupid. So they have to be white uh, because they still have to say his words. <laughs> mm. They need to be enough of an adversary that it's not like, well, of course the heroes triumph over them. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> well, there's going to be a lot more of that sort of vibes coming oh, up sure. next week. Well, <laughs> coming up for, I guess, every week to come. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're and every got... week that's been. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the ghost of Tenardier's past, future, and present. Past, mm-hmm. present, and future. There we go. <laughs> to add on that note, I, do you have anything else you would like to say? I don't think so. Okay, cool. Oh, well, just but... that I really had to force my brain to re-engage after you said John Locke 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I didn't even realise it was John Locke. <laughs> he commented on 69 and I was like that's only half of the <laughs> that's oh how serious God. you are about this point yeah I yeah, I, I, I could recognise the 69 joke but not the uh, deeper um, the deeper uh, Super Who Lock lore um, <laughs> I feel like we've needed some because Doctor Who has had canon lesbians and obviously Supernatural is having its uh, heyday once again with CW's bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we needed some uh, Sherlock in there. So I'm providing it to us all. Yeah. This is the Sherlock thing that's happening this year and it's been done. So that's it. <laughs> season five coming soon. <laughs> Sponsored by Sherlock, season five. <laughs> Can you imagine? I uh, do. Like at the beginning of this episode, I said that I went to that trans protest and like, like I could never work at the BBC. And then I specifically get a call that's like, hey, do you want to work on Charlotte season five? You have to take it. Uh, yeah, I would. Um, and then make it more homophobic. <laughs> and transphobic, just to shove it in for boot. Um, this has been Brendan Barricade, the lamest podcast. <laughs> Uh, produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. It was a Captain's Collection podcast. The theme tune is by Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on Bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. If you think that I should write the next season of Sherlock, um, you should uh, send us an email. <laughs> Uh, as long, along with a whole summary of what the episodes you think should be to our email address lesmspodcast at gmail.com or on our twitter lamespodcast or on our tumblr at bread and barricades and then once you've done that you can send us some money <laughs> to our Kofi <laughs> to make um, that dream happen yeah exactly we're going to self fund it all through Lamers podcast <laughs> um and if you haven't already, you can go uh, to Spotify and you can give us five stars. Please. 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 John Locke 69. Please. <laughs> and I believe that's everything. So thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, gen- genuinely, I did have like a two hour uh, in bed before you sent the message. And I was like, ah, I guess. So... <laughs> I think, but every week we're like, oh, like this podcast. And then the second we hit play, it's like, my best friend is right here in the room with me. We miss. 
Yeah, that's true. Friendship ended with depression. Thanks, Victor Hugo. <laughs> <laughs>